What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer and editor, Robert. Now look, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a conversation. <laughs> I don't know. I'm let down because I was really hoping you were going with the, I'm trying to seduce you. <laughs> no, this is just the one that fits best in context. I've it does, it does. Uh, and I'm also joined uh, for the first time on a GOATS episode. We have a guest. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dexter on the show. Welcome, Dexter. Of the children. Won't anyone think <laughs> of the children? <laughs> Anyway, we write for SifPop.com. We provide you movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out SifPop.com to keep up with those. Lots of great stuff on the website uh, going on. Uh, but on today's show on the podcast, we're going to talk about uh, a couple things. We'll talk about a coming attraction. We'll talk about F9, the Fast Saga, because uh, apparently there's nine of those movies. I mean, ten, really, but um, there's that. And uh, and then we'll move on to the GOATs. We'll be talking about M and The Graduate. Reminder, we were supposed to talk about M and Rafifi, but due to Rafifi's very limited availability, we switched over to The Graduate. Uh, and then we'll um, explore the B-plot. Uh, we'll answer a, uh, a question um, that I just thought of since we've been talking a lot about a lot of foreign films recently. I thought, let's just do best ever foreign films. And, uh, and so we'll do that in the traditional Sif Pop way uh, with Trump rules and all. And we'll wrap up with a spin-off, a quick recommend, or warn from each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to refamiliarize ourselves with our writers this week. Uh, Dexter, I just got the one for you this week. And it's uh, you tweeted at me a while ago that you uh, you were in High School Musical. Please tell me that this is more than just a, I was in the background in extra in one of the shots. Oh, man. I, I mean, it, it is, you know, to break your heart, it is kind of that. Oh, However, um, I do have... Quite uh, an entertaining story about being on set and whatnot. Ooh, uh, let's hear it. So uh, they're filming at East High School in Salt Lake City, and I I pulled onto the set uh, so my younger sister and I could be an extra for the day. And my uh, this as soon as I get out of the car, um, a an AD comes you know yelling running at me I'm like oh no i just got here i'm already in trouble what i do they uh they say we like your ca- we like the look of your car uh c- could we use it <laughs> um so i got promoted from being an uh an extra to like a driving extra <laughs> oh so, Big step it, up. I mean, it doubled my rate for the day, so cool. Nice. Um, and then, uh, so I, I had to sit on, there, there's a scene where Zac Efron and the guy that plays his friend are getting off a bus, um, and me and all the other drivers were sitting in the back of the bus to like make it look full. <laughs> um, but, you know, they keep their distance between the, the us and the talent. Um, so, you know, it's just, just that, just, you know, we're just hanging out and whatnot. Um, and then there's another shot where Ashley Tisdale and the guy that play her brother are like leaving the school as everyone's walking in. And I'm at the very back, just eating from a big bag of Skittles. (laughs) And as they come out, I would offer them Skittles. (laughs) Nice. Man, that's, that's great. 
Well, when my wife inevitably makes me watch High School Musical with her, I'll be sure to look out for the guy with the big bag of Skittles. <laughs> yes, I don't. I, I honestly, I've never watched it, so I have no idea if you, uh, if you ever see me in there. Uh, but yeah, so that 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 was my experience. So nice, Robert. Have you ever been? I know you said you like casually no. encountered James Earl Jones. Have you ever like been on a movie set or near one? Nope. Um, Sad. Unless student films in college count. Other than that. <laughs> uh, I haven't either. The closest thing I've done is uh, the uh, the Johnny Depp film Public Enemies um, is about John Dillinger, who spent some time around my neck of the woods. And uh, in the town next to me um, is the courthouse, and uh, which in the basement is the prison, which he breaks out of in the movie. And so they shot on location. They shot in the prison as well as around. It's It's in the center of this town square uh in crown point indiana and um they uh and and on that square there's actually like a movie theater now i mean it's not been open for like 10 years because it's constantly been under new management and trying to renovate it and as soon as they stopped it it uh it never was going to (laughs) reopen but uh, so i don't even know if it's still around but um but it's like really cool um because they shot it around around there and then i saw public enemies in that theater but like i wasn't on set but like it was the biggest deal because Johnny Depp in 2006 was in our town. Right. Like, that's kind of a big deal. So that's um, peak pirates fame right there. Right. And like, look, Johnny Depp's coming to uh, somebody's town today is still a huge deal. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're talking peak pirates fame. We're talking. Yeah. Right. He hasn't quite made, you know, some stinkers yet. I mean, obviously he's made stinkers, but you know, nothing. Christian uh, Bale there as well. No, I don't think he's in that scene. Uh, okay. I think it's just him and the gang, and they're they're escaping, and so a bunch of extras playing cops. Um, I don't think he's in that sequence, so um, I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, that's about the closest I've ever gotten to a to a movie set, which is staying in my home one town over. <laughs> anyway, um, Dexter, what we've been doing the last couple episodes uh, to kind of fill a little bit, since I feel like I rat- ask Robert. I have a hard time coming up with a bunch of new questions every week. Um, I got this uh, this movie trivia game for Christmas, and so uh, uh, we'll do just like two rounds of, uh, of of movie trivia and see who does better at it, and, uh, and we'll see how that goes. So I uh, randomly selected some cards here, and um, oh, wow, it's Lord of the Rings, so I can't give that to Robert. <laughs> um, um, oh, this will be a good question. Uh, let's give this one to Dexter. This will be good. Uh, the Godfather Part 2. What is the name of Don Vito Corleone's father? Oh my god. Uh, I have no idea. Neither do I. I just thought that was a good question. Robert, do you have any idea? Nope. <laughs> um, uh, Antonio Andolini, apparently. Oh, I was on the tip of my tongue. I'm joking. <laughs> oh man, it was the back of my throat. Back of my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there like, he has a dad? <laughs> um... Let's see. Oh, geez. Um, oh, that's too easy. Come on. Uh, exciting audio show. I know. Right now. So exciting. Very exciting. Um, man, these really aren't great. They're either way too hard or way too easy. Um, wow. Like, there's like, who played the 40 year old virgin? It's like the high schooler would get that. Um, like, any high schooler, you know? <sighs> Who's the villain in Star Trek Into Darkness? The answer is Khan, but but according to JJ Khan Abrams, <laughs> I was going to say what, what what was that reported name that he was going under? John John Harrison, right? Yeah, basic yeah, white guy name. Right. <laughs> oh, all right, here we go. Um, Sean Penn won his first Academy Award uh, for which movie? 
Who are you asking? Either anybody. Sean Penn won his first guess. Academy Award. What's your guess? Is it Mystic River? I it is no Mystic idea. River. Yeah, oh. that, I was thinking, because I, I thought Milk, but then I'm like, no, I think Mystic River came out before that. So. Yeah. yeah, Mystic River was like 2001. I think Milk was like 04, 05. Um, he's great in Mystic River. I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but surprise, surprise, you know, Dennis Lehane novel. So, um, <laughs> who does Rocky fight in Rocky? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the first one. <laughs> Um, gosh, I hate this game. I'm done. <laughs> I'll find something new to do for the future. <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's supposed to be the perfect game for any film buff. And it, let it's me tell you, let me tell buffs. you, Aaron's review of this game is it's not. <laughs> is that the? Didn't you have that as your spinoff one week? No, 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 no. Blockbuster game. The blockbuster that was a different game. one. Yeah, okay. this is okay. literally movies trivia game. Okay. Yeah. Um, it says perfect for any movie buff, and my review is it's not. So my spinoff of the week is against this game. <laughs> okay, well, now that we've had enough awkward silence, uh, it's time for that one random question, and I want to know, what's your favorite candy bar? Anybody can go mm, first. My favorite candy bar? I don't eat candy bars very often. Some, I don't some, eat candy some, very some sort of candy. doesn't um, necessarily have to be a bar. I haven't had candy in seven years now. Oh, no. So... <laughs> Uh, how are you happy <laughs> drugs i mean like prescribed <laughs> prescribed drugs fair man i it hasn't been seven years for me but i don't eat candy regularly um i will just say m&ms i guess i like an m&m okay. i'm eating less candy because i'm i gain weight too fast um <laughs> at this point uh i, I love a good butterfinger and I think a sneaky underdog for maybe my favorite candy bar is a hundred grand. Um, it's it's one of those that like it's never in the conversation for best, but like legitimately might be my favorite. So something about hundred grand is just special to me. Nice, yeah. <laughs> Show it some and love. In the, in the last seven years, I've had the craving for one piece of candy, and um, it is something that they only sell in Argentina. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, I mean that definitely quelled that uh, that that. Well, uh, what's sen- this candy? I gotta order it off of Amazon now. Ishinken uh, Shogur. I I'd ha- I mean I would have to look it up in. Uh, I'm just gonna Amazon search Aust- Austrian candy. <laughs> Argentina. Argentina. <laughs> nope. Argentina. Nope. <laughs> Austrian candy wouldn't even get you. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm having fun. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's keep the ball rolling and, and let's talk about Fast and Furious Nine for our coming attraction. Because I mean, if there's anything these movies are, it's 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 fun. Um, that's the one thing that they mostly do right. Um, synopsis for this one is Cipher enlists the help of Jacob, Dom's younger brother, to take revenge on Dom and his team. Um, guys, this comes out in uh, in two days when this launches, and uh, it's been out worldwide, just not in the states. Um, so, oh yeah. Um, how excited are you about this movie? Um, you know, again, we're going to take the scale of this is a theatrical release. It's coming. It's a Paramount movie, so it'll be coming out in Paramount Plus forty five days after its theatrical release, because um, that's what Paramount's deal is for this year, um, which I think is a great plan. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I, you know, let's just say you know, 
COVID's gone, all that, we don't have to worry about going to theaters. Let's just put us back in, in 2018 or whatever. Uh, how, how excited are you guys about this movie? Uh, you, would you go see it opening weekend, wait for a discount night, wait to rent it at home, wait till it's on streaming service you already paid for, or are you just not interested? Uh, Dexter, let's start with you. I haven't seen a Fast and the Furious since uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> so... Opening Probably weekend. gonna skip this one. <laughs> <That's> opening weekend, <laughs> Robert. What about you? I gotta say, opening weekend. Even though, yeah? yeah, I don't think they should still be making Fast and Furious movies. I like the series enough that I'll go watch it. That's a shocker. I really thought you were going to be in like the streaming category. Um, no, this is this is perfect summertime movie. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Discount Night for this too. Uh, it just because like. Look, th- these movies are super hit or super miss, and I'll talk about that next week with uh, with Frank because that's what we're talking about is all the Fast and Furious movies, and they're either super hit or super miss. There's no like middling ones, um, and when they hit, they really hit, and when they miss, they really miss. So, um, so there is that like it's not an outstanding track record, you know. It's not like when you go to see like the inevitable next Planet of the Apes movie, and you're like, holy cow! Like mm-hmm. these three movies have been excellent. There's no way they're gonna screw it up, um, you know. But obviously, we'll see. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just I, 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 there's enough not for opening weekend, but yeah, I mean, this is a fun theater experience, and it's almost always at least a good time. Um, I did my. Sif Pop binge for the Fast and Furious series, and that's yeah, the first did. time I saw all of them, except yeah, for, for the sixth one, which I had already seen. Um, just pop it in a franchise at six? <laughs> well, that was like a, a friends were all going out, and that was whatever I wanted to see. I was like, that'd be um, like starting the MC with Thor the Dark World. <laughs> well, Fast and Furious, it's just like random each time. I was like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I really like five, six, and seven, but I thought seven was a perfect ending when Paul Walker died and how that all ended. And, you know, that final scene with the Charlie Puth song can get you all teary eyed. If sure, if you're into the movies, which I am. Um, and then eight was just completely uninteresting to me. And the trailer for this one looks completely uninteresting to me, but I consider myself a fan of the series. So, which is, that's why I'm putting myself in the opening night plus or opening weekend. Plus Justin Lin is back and he did five, which is the best one. True. He um, did, uh, he did Tokyo drift. Fast and Furious, Fast Five, and Fast and Furious Six. Yeah, so I that gives it at least a little bit of hope for me. So yeah, I mean, I'll like I said, I'll talk more about these in depth next week with Frank. But uh, you're right, Five is the best one, and so see, you know him coming back is 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 definitely a positive sign. Uh, but there's a lot of things coming back too that like Han coming back is like I don't I don't believe you, and like that's part of the reason why I love Six so much is that post credit scene uh, and. Uh, you know the addition of John Cena. It's like, are, are we just going for all your like? When it like when is Bautista gonna come in here? <laughs> Bautista <laughs> said he only does good movies. Didn't, haven't you seen that quote? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but that's the perfect response. He said, "I only do good movies," and then he went on to do Stuber and Army the Spy the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dexter, what turned you off? Why did why'd you stop after two? I mean, like, look, I, I I get it, but like, everybody seemed to get back into the franchise at five. Oh man! Uh, so I remember watching the second one in like in a class in high school. Um, <laughs> That's American education. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So I was like, I was a car guy. Um. I was. Oh man! Like I would half my schedule. Uh, my senior year of high school was like auto shop. 
And so I loved working on cars. Um, but, you know, I, I always say that I replaced that knowledge with having to learn Spanish. And because of that, like, I just, I never got back into it. Mm. Um, spending two years in Argentina without any movie contact, like from 07 to uh, 09, there are still movies that I've never even heard of. People bring them up. I'm like, I, I've never even heard of that movie before. Man, this so. that's the worst two years to miss out on movies because that's The Dark Knight and Iron Man. Yep. So, so I, like... didn't see, I didn't see The Dark Knight in theaters until The Dark Knight Rises because they played the entire mm. trilogy. Yeah. And I got uh, I got a ticket for that. But I mean, like, imagine coming back, you know, a year and a half after The Dark Knight comes out and every like you'd be like, Wait, hold on. There's a really great Batman movie. <laughs> There's like yeah, a well, Batman I mean, movie I, I, that's like the fifth highest rated movie ever on IMDb. I I saw like I saw uh, the um the billboards for it in Argentina, so I knew it was coming. Uh, but yeah, like I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, it was six months after that it came out, but that was the first. That was literally the first movie I watched. Got it. Um. Yeah. Look, so. you're not you're really not missing out on much. Like especially like if if there's still movies that people will mention and you're like, "Wait, what? Like I've never heard of this." Like, yeah, I mean, keep on pushing Fast and Furious back. Like it's really for one of those like like a weekend binge is almost perfect for the for this franchise. Um like one time and then, you know, pick the ones that you like and maybe yeah. watch those once every couple of years. Well, um, I mean, I I'm a, I'm really into schlocky horror movies. So, hmm. I this will isn't that. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. I I, Wait, like, what? <laughs> I would much rather watch a, an awful B level, C level horror movie mm-hmm. and just watch that all day and laugh at them than watch a movie that's trying to be as uh Vin Diesel says, Oh man, didn't he say like Fast Eight was gonna like it should be nominated for <laughs> that picture? Um look, yeah. if he if he did then he <laughs> You can't trust a word out of his mouth. Um, that's, that's kind of my hesitancy with these movies is that The Rock is what kind of made them so right. good for me. Well, And he's and not going to be in this one. Right, because Vin Diesel takes himself way too seriously. <laughs> because The Rock is like, I'm going to come save your crappy franchise that you can't lead. And Vin Diesel, uh-uh, I can't do it. And it's like, no, we we all came for The Rock. He, he's I'm right. I'm about my father. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a huge, that's a huge, like, because even his limited role in 7 and 8 are, are part of why I don't really like those movies very much, um, you know, and, and why I think Hobbs and Shaw is probably my favorite, um, because I love that character, um, and obviously you put The Rock doing rock things, and, you know, it, the Fast and Furious has the budget to make it look good, <laughs> you know, it's not like we're getting, you know, the Hercules or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I've also heard that his... The Rock's interplay and chemistry with uh, Jason Statham is also phenomenal, and that's why I mean, Austin Shaw. I mean, it's so one well. note, but yeah, it's okay. the same joke every time. But yeah, it's fun to watch them do it. Um, so, I, I mean, I think I think at this point, like if you, if if it's the ninth film in the franchise, you're either just in or you're out, and and that's fair. And like, it doesn't matter what the trailers for this one show. It has Fast and Furious attached to it, and it's like you're in or you're out, and that's it. So I mean, I would recommend watching Spy if you're going for a Jason Statham movie. That's fair. I I, I thought Spy was fine. I think people uh, like it more than me. Uh, 
I think he should do more comedic roles. I I love it. I love that movie. Okay. Yeah, I would just do more Jason Tatham comedies. Um, yeah, maybe Hobbs and Shaw might be my favorite one of his. Like not comedies, but movies. I don't know because he's in a lot of those like bad ones. Like Transporter's not a good movie, but it's watchable. But anyway, um, I'm out. I I, th- I think that's it. Uh, that's all I have to say about F9 is look. And I'm trying my hardest not to look at just the abysmal reviews that this movie is getting overseas. Oh, I haven't seen any reviews, but yeah. I'm not really surprised. Right, like. Well, but, like, I am surprised because even, like, the bad ones have gotten, like, decent reviews. And, man, if you looked at the IMDb score, it's uh, it's not favorable. <laughs> um, so, I'm trying, like, I am keeping my heart out of that. And partly because, like, look, I rate a lot of these movies pretty low, but I still have a good time. Right, so. that's the thing. You don't expect the Oscar movie that Vin Diesel wants. <laughs> right. so you just, like, it's a fun enough action movie at its best. Right, um, yeah. So, that's yeah. fair. You know, it's kind of like the Transformers sequels. It's like, look, I didn't come for a great movie. I came right. to watch, you know, a robot transform into a into a truck and then back and then, you know, humans you screaming. Or Michael Bay's latest documentary of explosions. <laughs> Pretty much. That's the one. That's that's the one. Well, let's uh, let's get into it then. Let's let's start talking about the the goats. Uh, we have M and the Graduate this week, and uh, yeah, Dexter to be on partly because the more writers we got, the more. Uh, the less spots there would be. And it's like, well, hey, Dex, like your your self-defined favorite portion of movies is the golden age of cinema. Um, so, like, it makes sense to to bring you on here. And uh, and we I said, let's talk about your favorite movie of all time. And you're like, please? So, and that was like, what, a year ago? So we're finally yeah. here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're finally here and we can, uh, we can do this. Uh, <clears throat> so, wow, excuse me. Um, do we want to, uh, Robert, I'll let you, do you, do we want to start with Dexter's favorite movie or do we want to keep the suspense? Um, well, if we want to go by how we <laughs> normally do this, the graduate is first in my notes. <laughs> well, let's keep the suspense, uh, on, on how we feel about Dexter's favorite movie of all time, which is, um, so let's start off talking about the graduates. This is a 1967 movie. You can catch it streaming on HBO max. The synopsis is a delu- disillusioned college graduate finds himself torn between his older lover and her daughter. This has an 8.0 on IMDb, not quite high enough to crack the top 250, an 83 on Metacritic, and 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. This won Best Director at the Oscars. Um, this is nominated for Best Picture, Best Lead Actor, Dustin Hoffman, Best Lead Actress, Anne Bancroft, Best Supporting Actress, Katherine uh, Ross, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography. This won Best Original Score at the Grammys in 1969, which always surprises me that that used to be a thing at the Grammys. Um is it still a thing at the Grammys? I don't know. No idea. Doesn't sound like it is. Um, this was added to the National Film Registry in 1996. It's the 23rd highest grossing movie of all time, if you adjust for inflation. That surprised me. I didn't know this was such a high grossing movie. Um, this is uh, listed in 1,001 Films to See Before You Die, um, as is our other movie we're talking about this week. And uh, let's see, AFI lists. We got 100 Years, 100 Movies. This is number seven. 100 Years, 100 Laughs, number 9, 100 Years, 100 Passions, 52, uh, 100 Years, 100 Songs, Mrs. Robinson coming in at number 6, that seems fair, um, 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes with Plastics at number 42, and Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you, at number 63, and 100 Years, 100 Movie, 10th Anniversary Edition, number 17, so that went down 10 in about 10 years. Uh, that's, uh, that's why this might be considered a goat. That's why, uh, people might consider this to be one of their favorite movies of all time. I know this is Vincent's favorite movie of all time. Um, so 
So there's that. Uh, but um, let's see. Uh, let's start with you this time, Dexter. Um, what uh, you, you hadn't seen this before, correct? No, I had. You had. Okay, it's just yeah. I watched this movie. Uh, yeah, I watched this uh, for one of my classes in in college, and then I had seen it previous to that as well. So it's been a it's been a couple of years since I've I've seen it, but I yeah, I'm definitely familiar with it. Cool. Uh, what about you, Robert? I saw it. This, this was my second time. I saw it once a couple of years ago because I just put it on wanting to watch an old movie. Sure. Uh, this is my first time seeing it. It's one of them that I've kind of bounced back and forth on uh, whether or not I do want to see it. Um, because I think there's a lot of iconic things about this movie that you can tell just by the cover art. But um, but also I, I, I think, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, but I think this has gained a little bit of a reputation for maybe not holding up so well as a like not not in terms of like quality of filmmaking but in terms of like just things that don't age well like old bond movies you know with uh um treatment of women and things like that and um we talk about that more later um so i think that was kind of one of those it's almost like do you want to watch a woody allen movie and like it's just kind of similar conversation um not quite but yeah well not quite because there's you know it's double old 007 movies how about that sure um it's it's almost like do you really want to go you know put yourself in that very sexualized very womanizing you know kind of situation um so this kind of bounced off and on my cue um but uh, as soon as vincent said it's my favorite movie of all time then all right that's it that seals it so oh yeah that seals putting it on uh on the watch list at some point so um let's see um i'll start i like this movie I just like firm and like it. I'm not like high or low or anywhere. I just write and liked it. Um, Dexter, what about you? Yeah, I like it. Okay. Robert, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay? I guess I'm highest because I love it. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I used to be, like, I think as I was watching it, I think I was in loved it category. And then the last kind of specifically 15 minutes really pulled me down. Uh, but we can <laughs> talk about that. <clears throat> um, where do I'd we like want to start? I'd like to hear why. Uh, you want to start with that? <laughs> Sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot to love about this movie, but I realized uh, right about the moment where um, D- the Dustin Hoffman character, Ben, goes to Berkeley, um, that he is absolutely not a likable character. I don't want him to have a happy ending. And then I started to think about all the rest of the characters. I'm like, there's no character that I want to root for in this movie. Like, there's not, like, a fun friend that's trying to talk sense into him. There's not even, like, I want to root for the, da- the daughter character. Um, uh, Amelia, I think is her name. Elaine. Um, Elaine, yeah, something with E. So, Elaine. Um, I-, I-, I don't want any of these people to have happy endings. I don't think they deserve happy endings. And I, w- I definitely want to talk about the ending because I think the movie is hinting at this isn't a happy ending. No, it's absolutely not a happy ending. Okay. I don't think you're supposed to root for any of them. Sure. Well, but that, like, but I, you know, they they get on the bus and they're all happy and excited about that, and then slowly their smiles fade. And I'm like, are is the movie definitely trying to tell us that this isn't going to work out? Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, uh, but by, I mean that that's by total accident that we get that. But is uh, it? Yeah. No. It's just because uh, either the the DP or the editor didn't know when to cut. So that, those extra frames crept in, like. But so, I almost, I almost think it's great. Like I think it, I it, think is, it helps it because they kept it, it in the end. Right? Because yes. I don't want it's these characters to end up together. I don't want anybody to have a happy ending. You know, I'm happy that Mrs. Robinson is getting a divorce and that because like. 
Because it's even that I don't want, I already forgot her name. I, don't, I even don't want her to get married to the other dude. Because when he goes to the frat house, like, oh yeah, I'm the makeout king. Like, I don't want the makeout king of Ber- Berkeley to get a happy ending with this seemingly sweet, you know, obviously very attractive woman who makes a lot of questionable decisions. So um, I think it was, I think it was at that point when I realized like, oh, this movie is definitely trying to make me like these characters, but I don't. I don't um, think it is though. I think it's I think it's trying to play Dustin Hoffman as endearing um and and charming and I, I think, think it's it trying to play him as relatable maybe but I think but not necessarily yeah. endearing um because you're supposed to relate to what he's doing and then at the end realize if you follow similar paths and similar choices then look how it's going to end up um he he tried to take control of his life. He tried to separate himself from what his parents were trying to tell him at the beginning where it's like, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do next? And like all the people at the party when, you know, that great shot, like the great long shot when it's handheld following him walking through the party. Yeah. Um, It's like, what are you going to do next? What, like all this kind of stuff. And then he tries to take control of his own life by having an affair with, with Mrs. Robinson um, and then taking out Elaine and, you know, all everything that happens. Mm -hmm. And by the end, the same song is playing the sound of silence is playing again. And you're like, he's just back where he started. He, you know, he hasn't made any progress. Um, he still doesn't have any direction in life the same way he was trying to look for it in the beginning. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's denouncing his choices, I think. Well, and like you, even, even, even though that is the case, um, cause I definitely got the feeling at the end, like they're not going to end up happy. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that I, Gosh, I don't know. Uh, Dexter, why don't you (laughs) you talk? So, it's, I mean, you know, like Robert was saying, it's definitely a transgress, it's a, it's a transgressive coming of age story. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, we, we see it in, you know, in the postmodernism, uh, literary movement, uh, this happening over and over, uh, but, you know, we see it, and again, in, in Fight Club, we see these things where, the characters are making all these taboo and non-societal conforming choices and they create all these messes and they just end up in the, the position where they started. Hmm. Um, and, you know, did they grow? That's, you know, we, I mean, we always hope that the, the character grows and has an actual arc. So, but, uh, so, so maybe that's, maybe that's my problem then is because, you know, part, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that any of the characters have grown in this movie. Uh, I think they're all right back where they started, like you were saying, Robert, and I kind of wanted some growth and I feel like it's all, you know, the epilogue, um, of this story, but, but like, it's the same reason why I don't really like Breaking Bad. I understand that the point of Breaking Bad is to watch this person make a lot of terrible decisions and eventually become you know, the antagonist who starts off as a protagonist becomes the bad guy and becomes the antagonist. But that's not anything that I'm interested in. I don't want to, you know, I, I'm not as far as like, you know, when Aaron Dicer says he can't watch a Scorsese thing because it glorifies a, a bad lifestyle. Because I, I love Goodfellas and The Departed and, you know, I think Wolf Wall Street's fine and all that. But um, like, I think that there's there's merit to that. But I, I just am not interested in stories that make me want to like or root for villains um i still don't think it's trying to do that though like it's like even breaking bad that's you i feel like once a month i see a tweet saying everyone made a mistake for idolizing these characters and it's tyler durden and walter white and the joker 
That's like nobody was idolizing them. them. Well, no, that's the thing is that people are having the readings like you where you're thinking the movie is trying to make you like them. And then I, you know, I've. Okay. So let me, let me rephrase that then. Um, Not that you liked them, but that you felt like you were like being told or being made to like them. Well, let me rephrase that then. Cause I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily what I'm trying to say. I'm not interested in watching people make terrible decisions for two hours. Maybe like that's, that's maybe what I'm thinking. I'm not interested in watching people mess up without learning from their mistakes. Um, if it's like people mess up for an hour and a half and then have a small redemptive arc and we can have an optimistic future. Like that's, that's something I'm, I'm interested in. I'm just not interested in let's watch a bunch of people be terrible for two hours. I mean, I, I definitely think it could just be the, the framing of the, the, the narrative. Um, so uh, what, I, what I'm thinking of when, when you're saying that is like in a horror movie, we'd be fine watching these decisions because the framing of it is, you know, people are making these awful decisions, not necessarily knowing of the outcome. And that adds to the tension. I mean, that's that the exact it's... reason why I don't like horror movies. Oh, well. <laughs> it's because I can't root for any of the victims in most movies. Most movies. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I was also thinking of uh, the movie and, and novel Lolita. It's mm. told from the, you know, that man's uh, first person point of view. <clears throat> and the design is to, it's an un, un uh, oh my gosh, what's the, Un, uh, unreliable narrator. Narrator. Gosh, I cannot speak this morning. <clears throat> um, what if, what if this movie were to be from the perspective of either of the female love interests? It would be a completely different movie, right? It, completely different. But like, is that a movie you're more interested in seeing? Well, no, I because mean, which one? Uh, either one, I think could could work as the better as a as a good framing device. I don't I don't know that it's a better framing device. I'm just trying to have fun. Well, I wanted to say real quick that. Um, you were talking about Ben doesn't learn anything and he doesn't change, but does a character necessarily need to change for the audience to learn something? Because that's fair. It, it's presenting a story and a character can be static. Fine, Robert. Um, I guess I love this movie. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to love it because <laughs> oh, into the hay. Well, but you're but you're saying that you're saying that my experience is the experience I should have watching the movie. And it's right. and, and that I'm missing the intention uh, well, here's, of, of all that. Here's a similar movie in a similar situation with Whiplash. Like I'm having the experience. No, how dare you turn my own movie love against me? <laughs> that I'm supposed to have when I watch that, but I don't like having that experience. That's fair. So I'm stuck in like the like in the I like it slash I appreciate and understand what it's doing, but I don't love it. Well, Whereas I'm, you love the movie and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, able it's to only buy like into... my fourth favorite movie of all time, and it's about the most unlikable characters. <laughs> right, but I, I'm just trying to say, like, you don't have to, like, if something isn't for you, you don't have to go go and say, like, fine, I love this. You can say you appreciate it and you understand what's going on without saying you like it. No, but I, th- I think it was just a misunderstanding. Because uh, all right, here's the other thing. Um, as we were talking about before this, um, I scheduled poorly, and so we're recording as starting at Friday at 10 a.m. And I had not seen either of these movies Thursday night at 11 p.m. So, like, I had to get up early and watch both of these movies. I The Graduate finished at about, like, 9.54, and we started recording at about 10. So, like, I have had no time to process this. So I feel like if I would have done better, Fair enough. Um, that, I, that I might have reached sort of the conclusions that you're reaching. I honestly wanted to rewatch it before 
um, before recording, but obviously I can't watch an hour and 46 minute movie in six minutes. Um, so, so I mean like, like this, this is great. Cause this is me processing. It, and I think having that, that voice, I just, I hadn't, I hadn't got a chance to look into how people react to it, why people appreciate it or, or any, like literally anything. Um, I've had no time to process. And I feel like this is a movie that I want to process. Um, and I think I will like it more as it comes on, but, um, shoot. Yeah. I, I, sure, yeah I'm, I'll gonna... move, I'll move to the low side of loved it. I'll move there. Nice. Cause there's you... a lot I really like about this movie. You had a very similar reaction to my wife who I've been saying we should watch this movie for a while because I thought there's a chance she would like it. And then when we were watching it, she was, she was very into it. I could tell she was very engaged because she kept saying like, no, why are you going to the hotel? No, why is she marrying him? You know, like, and by the end I said, did you like it? She said, I didn't want him to get what he wanted. So like she hated the character of Ben. So she had a very similar reaction and I tried to, give her the same speech I just gave. And she was like, no, I just hated that character. So it's like, it's, it's a okay. fair, it's a fair reaction. I think. Well, well yeah. I, well, I'm happy that you're, you're affirming the things that I'm saying, but also saying that your pers- that my perspective is wrong. You're like, yeah, you're right. They're not good characters and they shouldn't have happy yeah. endings. But the point is they're not good characters. and They shouldn't get happy endings. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, fe- I felt like, you know, the movie was supposed to be like, Oh cool. They got together. Like persistence pays off. Um, it's like, that's that's not the message I want to send. Well, have you seen I mean, 500 like, Days of Summer? Yeah, I hate that movie. It? I really hate that movie. Well, at the beginning, the narrator says he, Tom, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character has a misconstrued view on romantic relationships because of a incorrect reading of The Graduate. So mm. he thinks that because of... Uh, because of the ending of the graduate life is supposed to be like, you get the, the girl you want because you, yeah, you did this grand romantic gesture, showed up at a wedding and that's what skewed his view on it in that movie. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that movie's good because I have conflicting feelings on it, but that's kind of that part of it is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's one that I picked up because I think I might want to check it out again. And maybe after watching the graduate, maybe I pick up something new, but I, I, I think the Zoe Deschanel character is just as terrible as, Tom and I think that's the point. These two are terrible people um, and terrible for each other and all that. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I'll move to the low side. I loved it then. I think uh, I think that's a good place to land. So for me, because um, I think there's I think there is a lot to love about this movie. Dexter, what do you, what else do you want to like mention about this movie? I mean, there's Mr. Feeney. <laughs> that that is uh, true. Uh, no. Uh... It's a good movie. I, I mean, I would always recommend someone to to see it, but it's just it's never been my my cup of tea. It's fair. Um, we we can't not talk about the soundtrack. Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I think I think the songs stand well. I mean, individually, these are songs that I've I've heard plenty of times. Um, you know, not just because of the. Arrested Development popularizing the meme format of playing Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, but uh, and the and you know Sound of Silence and all that, like not just because of uh, of those things, but um, but but just in general, like these are radio songs, these are radio hits. Mrs. Robinson mm-hmm. was a huge hit, and like I've heard it plenty of times, and like now having the context for for all these songs, uh, it, it, they both work well individually as well as for what the film is trying to do. Um, it's it's everything you should want from a film soundtrack. Yeah, and the fact picked, that it's all original, you know, as opposed to just here's movies, here's songs that I like. 
we picked two movies that kind of uh, are innovative in how they use sound. And this one is mm-hmm. innovative in the way it used soundtrack um, right. instead of like a, a score, you know, just like an orchestral score. It's pop music being thrown in. And like, I don't think there's any orchestral score. It's all just the Simon and Garfunkel songs. Yeah, I don't think and there was any. There's a lot of Scarborough Fair <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think it works well. Yep. Well, and there's like renditions. There's like whistling. Yeah. This is Robinson theme or something. Yeah. Um, as always, when we watch a movie that's funny, I have a list of things I laughed at. Oh, go for it. Uh, one word. Plastics. <laughs> Obviously, because yeah, that's a great one. Um, the whole first encounter that uh, that that they have with when Mrs. Robinson you know, lures him in. Um, just it's it's Hoffman's reaction. He's he's perfect for this role. Uh, yeah. He's really great, uh, and I guess we we also should have mentioned. Um, I think all the I, I think all the actors are particularly good, except for Catherine Ross. Um, I don't think she's good in this, uh, but that might just be me an unpopular opinion. When she squeals at the end at the wedding, you go, Bam! it's the most like ear wrenching thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, I didn't have a problem with any of the performances. That's fine. I, I think she's just okay. She's just nothing special and doesn't really add anything to the character. Um, but I think Anne Bancroft and uh, Dustin Hoffman are both terrific. Um, anyway, so like it's it's you know his reaction um, to everything is just just kept me laughing. Uh, and then the um, <laughs> the I'm gonna get undressed. Oh well, what should I do? You can you can watch. <laughs> yeah, it's very awkward and i like it <laughs> yeah and then uh my favorite quote from this movie which is the do you find me undesirable oh no mrs robinson i think you're the most desirable of all my parents friends <laughs> <laughs> the reaction dexter's having right now is like the perfect <laughs> and then there's uh and then there's about an hour where there was nothing i laughed at and then there's the um where he tells his parents he's gonna go get, marry um Gosh, I can't remember her name again. What is her name? Elaine. Elaine. I'm going to write it down. E-L-A-I-N-E. Elaine. He's, he's going to go marry Elaine. And she, uh, um, and then they like break it down. They're like, oh, well, we're going to call the Robinsons. Like, no, they don't know. And it's like, oh, well, does Elaine know that? No. It's like, does she know you're coming to birth? No. Like this, this whole idea is half-baked. He's like, no, it's not. It's whole-baked. It's a whole idea. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and then at the very end, after, after they're leaving the wedding and he grabs the cross to fend everybody yeah. off, there's... That's good. Uh, so not quite as much as I as I thought um, I would laugh at, especially because the first thirty minutes of the movie are really funny, um, and then it just kind of turns into a a romance movie. A lot so. of it is because of Dustin Hoffman's performance. So it was a couple months ago that I first watched Rain Man, and uh, these performances are a lot more similar than I ever realized. It's kind of like that stilted dialogue and line delivery, and he. A lot, a lot of his line deliveries in this in The Graduate reminded me of I don't remember his character's name in Rain Man, but it's just like the very no, it's a whole big idea, you know that, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're very similar characters. Um, I mean, obviously, one of them is for just his social awareness, and one is for a mental disability. But right, um, yeah, um, and um, let's see. Um, I only have two more notes, um, and that's that uh, I think that this movie is shot really well, um, and I think that helps it stand out. So Best Director uh, is a great, great Oscar for this, uh, because it's not just like a here's a camera and we're going to have it at eye level with people, but like there, there, there's occasional Dutch angles or there's getting the lighting right and there's there's having uh, there's having cameras that are in in the places that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And and the depth in this movie, I mean, there's the under the leg shot. 
Right, there's seven or eight under the leg shots where where Mrs. Robinson's frame <clears throat> legs are like really close to frame, and Hoffman's in the background. There, it, it's just it, it's almost like when you watch Game Night and you're like, oh, you can do something with comedies. So, um, I yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought it was really competently and confidently shot, and uh, it stands out. Uh, and then the other thing is just I was afraid this movie really wasn't going to hold up well, but the only thing I can think of. Um, as necessarily like an offender is the the scene where the first date where she's crying and he's like well will you stop which also a funny moment he's like will you stop crying she's like no like would you at least try she's like um but then like he just kisses her out of nowhere like she doesn't want to be with you she wants to go home she's asked you to go home and he kisses her and of course it makes everything better Um, right so that's that's the only thing that i really noticed that i was like oh that doesn't really hold up well but yeah, the last things I'll mention are is the cin- cinematography again. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd obviously seen it before, but I didn't remember a lot of the specific shots. And I felt like so many of the shots were just things I'd seen thrown around Twitter or in video essays on YouTube and stuff like that for being great iconic shots. Um, a lot of times when I watch a movie, I'll just scroll through Letterboxd reviews afterwards to see if people add anything to my experience or say anything funny. Um, but this time I saw one review with a line that said the movie is filled to the brim with nonstop style experimentation and intent. And I thought that um, perfectly encapsulated all of the filmmaking Great. The filmmaking choices in the movie. Cool. Uh, Dexter, we haven't heard, you, heard from you in a while. So, you, so you're still in the liked it camp. What, what is mm-hmm. the thing holding you back from loving, loving it? Uh, I don't know. It's just it, kind of like you, what you're saying, like, it didn't, well, yeah, you didn't have anyone to root for, but that, that really just, that doesn't bother me. It's, I don't know. It just, That's I fair. think it's a decent movie. There's just, you know, something artistically isn't grabbing me. Uh, mm-hmm. I do want to say that there, there are like both of y'all have mentioned, there are some amazing shots. I automatically think of the one where, uh, when Elaine finally realizes that he is having a, an affair with his with her mom yeah is amazing because they do a shift of focus from elaine to mrs robis robinson and then when it shifts back there's a there's a delay on that shift back where we would you know we would think and it's putting us in her mindset and then when it goes to focus on elaine again we understand that that is instantly when she realized that yeah yeah yeah, I just I, I love that shot. Uh, but yeah, it just the movie didn't grab me the way I would have liked it to. Mm, sure, that's fair. Yeah, and like, look, it's it's you know there are some people out there that don't like the Shawshank Redemption, and I've never met any of those people, but I'm sure they're out there. Um, and so it's, it just goes to say that there is no movie that will be universally loved, um, and that's okay. Um, Aaron, I wanted to quickly add one more line to your oh yes funny lines. Uh, I just thought of it. And it's when he goes to the hotel and the guy at the counter says, are you here for the affair? <laughs> well, and again, Hoffman's performance really sells that like, uh, 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 uh right. And no. just there's a party there. Not like, yeah. 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 That's great. Um, cool. Uh, I'm all tapped out. Is there any other notes or are we satisfied kind of giving, giving our thoughts? I'm good. Yeah. Love this movie. All right. Then the last question we have to ask before, um, before we, um, uh, 
move on to M is, is this, would you consider this movie a goat? Meaning if we're assembling the criterion collection, would you add it? By the way, this is a criterion um, movie, but if we're assembling the collection, would we add this movie? Um, I'll start, I'll say yes. Um, I rank this movie as 11th of our favorite goats. So just after singing in the rain, but just above dead poet society. So, and I think I would have landed there still even, um, even before we had the conversation, but I don't think it's going to go up. Um, so I would say this is a goat. I would say this is one of the greatest of all times. I would say I'm putting it in the Criterion Collection. Um, but that's my opinion. What do you think, uh, Dexter? Yeah, I mean, I, I would keep it in there. I understand its importance in the in filmmaking history. And for that, I would say it needs to be there to be preserved and you know, and studied and rewatched. True. Yeah, I mean, for cinematography alone, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Where you at, Robert? Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's in. It's a goat for me. You you mentioned it's what eleven. Eleven. Yeah. I did a little bit of reshuffling, and I have it all the way up at three. Wow. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, and I I do want to rewatch it soon because um, I feel like there's I don't know. It's just one of those movies that I just kind of wanted to turn around and put on again, um, especially yeah. as I was processing things. So. I've been wanting to rewatch it for like two, three years, and I finally got a good excuse. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, uh, on that note, we can move on to M, finally. Uh, M, uh, 1931 film. Uh, German film, by the way, should be noted. Um, streaming on HBO Max. Synopsis for this movie is when the police in a German city are unable to catch a child murderer. Other criminals join in on the manhunt. Um, the reasons why this might be considered a goat is this is an 8.3 on IMDb, which makes it the 91st highest rated movie of all time. Metacritic wasn't a thing. Um, so there's no score for that. Uh, and this is a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the national, uh, this one, the national board of review for the top foreign film in 1933, uh, and got, uh, and the association of German cinematicates. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, declared it the best German film ever in 1994. Um, in, it's included in Empire's 100 Best Films in World Cinema in 2010. It's also listed in the book 1001 Films to See Before You Die. It is voted 13th Best Foreign Film by the BBC in 2018. This obviously also has a Criterion release. There was a Hollywood remake in 1951 with pretty middling reviews, and there was radio adaptations on BBC in 2003 and 2016. Um... And looks like Dexter added a, added a couple notes. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I do want to mention that in, in its pantheon of, of the legacy that there was that very, very awful remake of um, Cradle to the Grave with DMX. Mm-hmm. That started off as a, it was supposed to be a remake of M. Interesting, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, this also turned into a four-part comic series in 1990 and released as a graphic novel in 2008. Um, and in 2019, a German TV adaptation was released. Um, I'd be interested in checking both of those out. Um, but, uh, let's see history with this movie. I'd never heard of it. I already said that I never heard of it until Dexter mentioned it. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I bought it and it's one of those weird things where it's like, I've wanted to watch it, but it's sat on my shelf because like, I know I'm going to watch it for goats at some point. And so, like, I might hold off watching movies that I'm pretty sure we'll talk about until we talk about them. Um, so it's just it's 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 been on my list and for about a year now, but I haven't seen it. Um, Robert, what about you? 
Uh, it's the same as always where I knew it was a great movie. It was, it's been on my watch list for on HBO max ever since I got HBO max at its release. And then I just put it off for the last, however long, uh, once I knew we were going to talk about it on here. Yeah. What about you, Dexter? What's uh, what? What's the first time you encountered this? What's your history with it? Why? Well, you know? I ran across Fritz Lang through Metropolis, mm. as I, I would assume most people um, nowadays are gonna. That's how they're gonna encounter Fritz Lang's movies for the first time. It's gonna be through Metropolis. That Could is, uh, that is probably in in his uh, in his canon of movies. That's probably the most popular, but. Uh, so I, I ran across him, and you know I had fallen in love with direct. Like I started to realize that directors are telling a story, and it's not necessarily an actor, an actor's performance that is shaping my mind when I watch a movie. So I had started binging uh, all of Quentin Tarantino's, Kubrick, you know Hitchcock, Nolan, all that stuff. And when I ran across Lang, I was like, well. I, I love Metropolis. I want to find other stuff. And when I ran across M, it just, it floored me. Mm. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, great. Uh, Dusty, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. Uh, no, as if you have mentioned many times, uh, it is my favorite movie of all time. Great. So, uh, and that didn't, that didn't change after this watch? No. Okay. Like there's there are some times like when we watched the Untouchables, I was like, I really loved that movie, and then I watched it for this. I was like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, Robert, where do you end up? Uh, probably high side of like it, or maybe just regular like it. Okay, uh, I'm right where I left off at the Graduate, which is the low side of loved it. Um, I actually never added it to my to my letterbox list, so I have this at number eleven now, and the Graduate at number twelve. But I'm right there, low side of loved it. Um, so, uh, and maybe if I watched it in one sitting when I wasn't deadbeat tired, maybe I'd get more out of it. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is a really good movie. Uh, where do we want to start? Oh, I mean, uh, so we can start with the opening, opening shot where, you know, you have all the kids playing there and it's a, you know, it's a high crane shot going into the, the poster that is announcing his you know his uh the murderer's arrival it is him you know there's a reward for this child killer and you just see his shadow over it and he's talking to the little girl and it just sets the stage so perfectly Hmm. yeah uh it's a really great introduction and then yeah and seeing the 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 method that they use of the of the little girl disappearing as well of like she's singing the song that the mother doesn't want to and then all of a sudden the singing just like gets fainter and fainter and then the mother can't hear it anymore and that's when the girl wanders off and then gets abducted and murdered and all that um so yeah like everything about this intro is great um um yeah where do you want to start so just to uh you know we we it's also the introduction of the his late motif, uh, okay. where he's whistling uh, in the hall of the mountain king, mm. and you know every time you start to hear that, that's you know it's a it's it's diegetic. So when we hear that whistle, we instantly know what is going on. Yeah, yeah, that's a 
It's a really clever use. We were talking about use of sound, and I, earlier we were specifically referring, I think, to lack of sound, um, how it does some really creative things with just no sound at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even sound, uh, even the whistling as a as as the framing measure uh, is yeah is a huge part of that. Um, I think I think when I ex- when I went into this movie, what I expected was more like a like a like a mystery. Uh, but like you know immediately who the killer is. They don't try to hide it from you because it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is how is is how these criminals come together and be like, this is hurting our business, our reputation, things like this. We gotta go find him and the community will be better for it. But more specifically, will be better for it. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was going to be a mystery. I thought it was going to be kind of, kind of like the second half of His Girl Friday. Um, I thought it's kind of more what I was getting into. And um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I prefer either way. Um, I think it'd be interesting to do this story, but have it be a mystery. I, uh, Aaron, this is very similar in its ending to what's the Boston movie with Casey Affleck. Gone baby uh, gone. Yeah, where it has like a question at the end, um, like a yep. big moral question. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on that because I know how much you love that one. Yeah, it's that Gone Baby Gone is probably my favorite movie of an ending of all time. Um, I, I think I need clarification first. Is it? Are we supposed to believe that the jury decided one way? Are we? No. Or like, how are we yeah. supposed to interpret? How are we supposed to interpret the ending? I like, think it fading to black on like the, the trial starting yeah. is kind of implying, all right, viewer, now it's your time to, or your turn to decide what okay. you think the right way. Cause I didn't know this. if the framing of the, of the, of the women and you know, the ending shot being the uh, think of the children. I didn't know if that was supposed to imply that they're getting off, like that he's pleading insanity. Like they said he would. And, he's going to be potentially free one day. And so they're almost pleading like, no, take care of this. I, I didn't know if we were supposed to think of it as in that way, or if it was for some reason they were saying, think of the children, like maybe the children don't need to see a person executed or whatever. Um, well, so, so it, there's, there's a lot of layers in that ending. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have that, that question, won't someone think of the children, but they had, they, they were holding a kangaroo court to take, to have a sense of justice in killing of uh, Beckett. And, you know, they, they are also the re- they don't want to help the, the police find him. They just want to take care of it so they can get back to exploiting and, you know, robbing and doing all these criminal underground. So it is kind of a, the, when it's, you know, won't someone think of the children a lot of the times with they when they were being kidnapped, they were in broad view, uh, the children are in broad view of adults, of these people who should be paying attention to them, especially since they know that there's a child murderer around, but no one is paying attention. Yeah, this and is like so the 13th it's, or it's, something like that. It's, it's supposed it, to be like it's at least 11th. Yeah. Um, and so, they're still just letting their kids, you know, yeah. wander. Well, and then when we have the uh, when they put the actual M on his uh, his coat, mm-hmm. you know, he is literally walking down the street with the child to get you know to lure her into so he can kill her. Yeah, but no one is paying attention to that, and it's in broad daylight, and 
So we then juxtapose that with the end when that lady is saying, won't someone think of the children? I mean, <laughs> nobody's been thinking of the kids this whole time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Kill, kill 11 yeah. kids. You're fine. 13. That's the line. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, 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 I really love the ending. I think it ended on a strong note. Um, I just wasn't sure how I was supposed to interpret it. Um, I didn't know if, if I was just missing a sense of finality if I was missing, like, the movie is trying to tell me. Because, like, with Gone Baby Gone, there is a very clear ending. Um, like, it's it's very in-your-face about, like, yeah, there's a decision that's made. Um, whether mm. or not you agree with that decision. Uh, but with, with M, I just I, I didn't quite know what was going to happen. Um, and also, like, I, I don't even know what's going to happen to the criminals. Uh, you know, quote-unquote, I mean, they are criminals, right? But the people that, you know, catch this guy, uh, what's supposed to happen with them? Because you see... Presumably, presumably the police show up because everybody just pauses and raises all their hands. But like, are the police going to prosecute this guy for or pr- prosecute them for burglary and for um or for kidnapping and breaking and entering and um you know I'm sure you could get several different charges, probably assault or something like that. Um, you know, are, are they going to be prosecuted or anything like that? Um, I don't. I just I didn't know if I was just missing a sense of something. Um, but um, I like the ending. I just. I, I'd have to see, and maybe there is an alternate ending that gives some clarity. I don't know. Um, I didn't have time to delve into special features, obviously. Or maybe the commentary, Fritz Lang says, says something, if there is a commentary. I don't, or maybe maybe whoever's writing the Criterion booklet has something to say about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know that I can form an opinion on if I would prefer more finality. Uh, but I, I really like the ending. Yeah, the ending and like the whole moral questioning that Dexter was going into is really what I loved so much about the movie. Um, because we talked about this kind of back with Citizen Kane, where I can look at all the filmmaking innovations and appreciate mm-hmm. and understand them, but it's not as, uh, I don't know, it doesn't grab me as much. It's not as mind-blowing for me to be like, wow, look at how they're using sound for the first time, just because obviously I've been watching sound movies my whole life. But I still do really love all the the, the thematic and story stuff that was going on. Um, the, the stuff where the, the other criminals were chasing down the murderer in like that warehouse that was really ten, uh, tense. Um, yeah. and the, like when, when he's trying to unlock the door by like banging on the thing to, you know, all that. And then he has to run away from them. Like all that, that that's really good. Um, and I love the idea of like all of these criminals trying to catch a worse criminal because, you know, I've, <laughs> This this might be a weird thing to say, but I've I've never been to prison. But what you hear is that like the worst prisoners in there are people who have done unspeakable things to kids. So you know this yep. is obviously as bad as you can get. Um, so I like seeing there's like a distinction of who's worse, but at the same time these are still criminals trying to just look out for themselves and save their own quote unquote reputation. What are we some kind about, of suicide squad? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they talked about like. It's if you if you die as a criminal fighting the cops, it's an occupational hazard, but you don't want to be mistaken for this child murderer, you know. So yeah, yeah I just exactly. I love just all the different stuff that's going into it there. Um, so, so that's what I have to say right now. Yeah, my favorite part of this movie was the kangaroo court. Um, I, I was I've been thinking about this too. Like, I'm I'm not trying to advocate a remake for this movie, but I'm saying if they were to do it, I would either want it to have a mystery element of this movie. Or the opening scene is the kangaroo court. And the whole movie is the kangaroo court. And the, in the end could be the police 
the police barge in and you just cut to black when everybody raises their hand and that that could be brilliant um but i'm not, i'm not trying to advocate for re- i'm not, remake i'm not trying to advocate for wait for a remake and watch this movie cuz you should for sure go watch this is a 1931 movie that feels easily like it could have been made in the 60s or 70s like it's profound like it was insane to me that it was made in 1931 uh, i mean sure you get like quality of film um stuff but like the technical achievements um that it does and like the way it's edited and like it, it's it's very well acted and um the, the dialogue doesn't feel like that buster keaton charlie chaplin era it's a really clever movie uh really ahead of its time so but yeah oh, my yeah. favorite part of the movie is the kangaroo court i, I mean can i just say the whole thing <laughs> you uh, can uh no i i i I cannot stress enough how much I, I love this movie. So this is Fritz Lang's first non-silent movie. And where in this day where you're having people fill the movie with sound because they can, he did the exact opposite. And he leaned into these silent aspects. And there's no score. There's, you know, there is only speaking when there should be speaking. and he is letting the silence as well as filming th- having things happen off screen so our imagination fills that mm. void and because our imaginations will do so much worse than what he can actually show it it, right. it just implies so much more well because they just say that the kids are murdered they never say anything about like how and like we only see him with a switchblade but we never see him use it other than to cut an apple and to try to pick the lock and like yeah so you're right. That's man. Imagine if modern horror directors did that kind of thing, where they left a, that element of. That's why there's there's some out there that I really enjoy because I of mean, that element. There, yeah, there there are certain uh, horror directors that you're going to they're going to thrive on that because that is that gives you the sense of terror and dread. They're not leaning into the jump scare jump scares. I mean, isn't isn't that part of the reason why we also like? You know, like, I mean, The Conjuring 3 just came out, and I know not a lot of people really like that, but isn't that the reason why we like even The Conjuring or The Exorcist? Because they try to explain just enough, but there's still so much of an element of, I don't know, and there's still so much of an element of like, well, I guess that could happen, or I guess like, you never know what to expect. It's not, nothing is out of the realm of possibilities in The Exorcist. So, yeah, yeah Dexter mentioned there's only speaking when it needs to be, but there's, it's just like the sound in general that there's, that's only there when it needs to be. Because yeah, like exactly. there's the there's the part right at the very beginning when uh Elsie, whatever her last name is, the, the first girl that we see murdered or that yeah. we meet who's murdered, um, she's about to get hit by a car, but you see her jump out of the way because she hears the car honk and then the car comes on screen. Um and of course you mentioned the light motif of, of him whistling. Like you can't do that in a silent movie. Um and that's that's his calling card like you always know he's there it's the reason the blind man was there um and this just occurred to me as i was speaking right now but it's an interesting exercise you could almost even pick up on what's going on in the movie one if you understood german and two if you close your eyes and just listen to it because Mm. of how intentional the sound use is oh yeah yeah i mean so going back to the 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 late motifs uh it so you see this I, I mean, I kind of want to say it's either a pastiche or an homage to to M. With like in the Night of the Hunter, you have the the pastor, uh, uh, Reverend Reverend Powell. He he sings, uh, leaning on the everlasting arm, 
and then then the wire you have omar whistling the the farmer and the dell to announce themselves this way and it it brings this sense of dread and chaos and i i i whenever i i see these things in the wild uh to so to say it just it automatically drives back to m for me uh i there there are shots that in the dark night when they have the joker in the mcu they're pulling out laying down the knives on the on that uh that table it's like a shot for shot remake of when they're showing the the homeless people for the first time laying the cigars down and then the bread and whatnot Mm -hmm. i'm like did did he pull that from that no (laughs) way yeah and there's even yeah, other Joker elements, or yeah, elements too, where like he's pulling on his face in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm, they, yep. I'm sure they stole that for Joker 2019. Like you, like you were just saying, you can see the influence that this has had. Yeah, yeah. It it fe- it feels it. Yeah, it just has a feel that you like watch it and you're like, oh yeah, this is like maybe one of the most influential movies of all time that a lot of people probably haven't seen the original. Right. Um, yeah, partly because it's forward and partly because it's so old. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, um, I was just going to go back to the sound thing and just like the, the absence of sound several times in this movie for long stretches, like made me like check my connections to my sound bar and be like, am I mm-hmm. sure that audio stuff is working? You no, know, I had the same thought. Yeah. At one point. <laughs> Cause I was like, did my speakers just give, or did my sound bar <laughs> realize it wasn't con- like, think it wasn't connected and just shut off and I didn't see it or, you know. Something or is, is HBO Max just you know? Yeah. Actually, I didn't. I didn't watch this one on HBO Max. I watched it on. I have the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, so I watched it on that. But it's just like, did is, does the Blu-ray have a scratch or something? <laughs> it's never been taken out of its case, but maybe it has a scratch. So I've had that before. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm about out. I didn't really write notes on this one because I didn't have too much to say. Um, it's, it's just weird. It's just an overall excellent movie, and uh, um, there's a lot to love about it. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know that there's necessarily specific things that, that's part, maybe part of the reason why I'm not like super in the loved it camp is, um, there's, 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 there's not quite that wow factor for me. Um, right. but in 1931, this whole movie would have been the wow factor. So it's just the fact that, you know, I've seen a thousand, 2000 movies, whatever in 2021 and, uh, that many this year. Yeah. That many this year. Um, yeah, I literally just. Don't sleep and watch the movies. Have a time not watching, the only time he's not watching movies is when he's recording this podcast. That's right. Yeah, I just I just watched the nice guys on repeat on a loop. I was trying to think of like a short movie. Like I just watched like Brother Bear on a loop or something. Um, yeah, it's like I I don't know. So as I said, there's maybe not quite a wow factor, but it's it's just the simple fact, kind of like we were talking about with Seven Samurai a while ago too. Like it's a really great movie, but so much of it feels unoriginal because. Every movie since 1963 has had to try, tr- has tried to copy Seven Samurai to some degree, um, and so it's just not going to be as you can respect the hell out of it, but it's just not going to quite be. Um, in, you can't. I can't. I, I unfortunately can't time travel and you know watch this in 1931 and watch the audience's reaction. I'm sure it'd have been incredible, um, or even like time travel back to like the early 2000s and tell myself to watch this. So. Um, yeah, but it's definitely worth your time. I'm saying it's a goat. I would for sure put it in my, my criterion collection. I think it's worthy being there. Yeah. I'm checking where I had it on the list. 
Yeah. I have it at 13. 13. So we, we have it about the same place because I have it at 11. But Yeah, it's one that I I think it's great, but I just like it a lot. <laughs> because it's when it comes to movies not in, in English, it's difficult for me to like generate that lasting connection with them because part of what makes favorite movies for me is my rewatchability and I just throw them on in the background and kind of listen to them. But of course, when it's in a language I don't speak, I can't throw it on in the background. I have well, to get you were, attention. But you were just saying this is a perfect movie. You could just close your eyes and just listen to. So. But I don't this speak German. The that's the problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but true. if you see it enough, you know what they're saying. True. <laughs> yeah, Dexter's learned German just because he's seen this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he can only say the lines in, in the movie. <laughs> Yeah. So if it's not said in, in M, he's out of luck. He's out of luck. Um, yeah, um, yeah. This is easy, easy pick to be to be a go. Easy, easy to be. You can see the influence on it uh, on modern cinema and everything. Uh, it's a great movie. Thanks for uh, thanks for pointing it out to us, Dexter. Dexter. So, um, all right. Uh, on the next week's goats, we're going to be talking about Eight and a Half and Sunset Boulevard. We're trying to do themes. Um, with the goats, since we realized we just kind of picked two movies and typically try to go based off of length. Uh, now we're trying to do themes. So Eight and a Half and Sunset Boulevard, both being films about filmmaking or the film industry. Um, that's our connection. And, uh, and so we'll be talking about both of those. And um, that'll be next month. I don't know if I said next week, but next month. We'll be talking about those two. And um, before we move on, we have to... You said graduates number three. So that means that... Arsenic and Old Lace still isn't topped for you? Yeah, ars- right? <coughs> excuse me. Arsenic and Old Lace is still at the top. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. And I, wanted, yeah. I don't think I said um, M is in my criterion. It is a goat for me. Um, if not for the enjoyment factor, it's for the, like, I love any movie that effectively gives me moral questions to ponder. And this one does. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that it's in Dexter's Criterion Collection as well. But. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so Dexter, so we did the, the very last thing we do is just what, what's your favorite goat that we've done so far? Um, because sometimes there's an upset. We don't always say here's why I placed it in the list. So sometimes there's an upset. Um, so what I what I want to do, obviously, M would be your number one. I want you to what, what would be your number two? Then um, we've talked about if the doc would load, that would be excellent. Uh, we've talked about the Seven Samurai. And His Girl Friday, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Dead Poets Society, Rebel Without a Cause, Rope, L.A. Confidential, Doctor Strange Love, The Original Halloween, The Birds, Goldfinger, Citizen Kane, Nightmare Before Christmas, The Original Miracle on 34th Street, um, if this doc would load now, uh, Rocky, Quiz Show, Singing in the Rain, Arsenic and Old Lace, The Conversation, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Untouchables, The Sting, Cinema Paradiso, and Shadow of a Doubt. And then these two. It what would be pro- your number two? Out of all of those, it's probably going to be Seven Samurai. Nice. So it's a good pick. Uh, my number one is Cinema Paradiso. Um, still, I, I I gave the update last month on how I hadn't seen the last fifteen minutes by the time we recorded <laughs> <laughs> because I'm poor time management. Yeah, and like oh, I, so you came out with the truth. I did. I, look, I made an edit and I put it in the episode and. I said, it's a mistake and I'll never do it again. So, you know, I woke up at 6.30 to make sure I could watch these movies today before we recorded. So, uh, yeah, there's still something special about that movie and I'm, I'm dying to rewatch it. So, um, And I'm so upset because with all the new writers, it means Robert and I are never going to write on a BEC again. And, and, and 
for the one that's launching, you know, by the time this episode launches, when it launched last week, Cinema Paradiso was on it. And like, I was just like, please let it be available to when, you know, to when we can claim them. And, uh, it was snatched up in two minutes. So, um, as Shane. yeah, that's okay. Shane can do it. I'll just, Shane gets her. He's one of the first people in the doc every time. Yep. Yep. Uh, but he often picks movies that like a lot of people probably haven't seen. Like he didn't pick the Godfather part two. Well, yeah, he doesn't he, pick the I think he wrote about it last week, actually. So he could have just copied and pasted. I've done it before. <laughs> Not recently, but I did once or twice. Um, anyway, um, on that note, uh, we've been talking about... We uh, I, I really liked how we've gotten to do more foreign films on the show. You know, doing Cinema Paradiso, doing Seven Samurai, um, doing um, the M... Um, I think that's the only ones we've done so far. Uh, and, and in general, just foreign films becoming more accessible uh, has been great. So just between talking about them, I, I thought maybe it's a good time we can do uh, um, our best ever foreign films. Uh, we're going to do this uh, in typical hip hop fashion with Trump rules. Um, and uh, Trump rules. <laughs> Uh, I still prefer bump rules. We can do bump rules. I just realized that on my notes I have Trump rules. <laughs> yeah, we can do. Yeah, bump, we can do, we'll do bump rules. <laughs> I just read it in the notes. Yeah. Uh, well, I tried to. Well, because a lot of times when we do the B plot here, it's just let's just talk about five. But when but when when I when we're doing something like best ever, then I do want to do bump rules. So we'll do bump rules. Uh, we'll do. Um, uh, and then also Dexter and I are going to go back and forth doing it. And Robert just has one because um, that's what he decided to do. So it's his number one. And so he'll bump it if we talk about it. And if for some reason we don't, um, then uh, then it'll be a fun sting for us. But uh, um, Dexter, I'll start with you. What's your number five? Okay. And just so y'all are aware, these are also my f- top five movies of all time. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um all five of mine are in my top 100, um, as well as one of my honorable mentions. So I don't have an English-speaking movie until <laughs> number eight. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. That's, What's that that's amazing. Dark Knight. <laughs> so uh, from when I got back from Argentina and I first, first saw the Dark Knight, I watched that at least once a month for about seven years. Wow. So that is my most watched movie of all time. Oof. Not my favorite anymore, but I, yeah. Favorite English speaking. Yes, it is my favorite English speaking. Well, what is your fifth favorite movie of all time? The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm. Oh, I've heard of this one. I don't know much about it. Do you know so where you heard of it? A... Huh? You heard of it because you asked me what the oldest movie I saw was. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, it is uh, 1920s. <clears throat> Um, it is a silent movie. It is very much uh, German expressionism, which is my favorite art style. So you've got those, uh, very much looks like a Tim Burton-esque hmm. type of movie, but just leans into that art style even more. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's considered to be one of the first horror movies. So yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Um, I'm sure it's on a watch list somewhere. <laughs> Uh, my number five is Another Round. I love this movie so much. Um, Thomas Vinterberg, Baz Mikkelsen, last year's best foreign language Oscar film. Um, I, I'm in love with best international film. Sorry, yeah. Um, I love this concept. Um, you know, what if what if uh, the human condition peaked at 
what is it 0.5% blood alcohol content? 0.05, uh, right? Point, yeah, yeah. 0.05, right. <laughs> you were gone at 0.5. Um, but, 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 that, but that theory that the human condition peaks at that, like just starting to feel the alcohol buzz and, and what, what if a couple, what if some people who are, um, I mean, especially the Mads Mekasa character kind of in a midlife crisis, um, you know, just decided let's just go for it. And um, as we've, as the, as the show, as the, the movie progresses and we see the characters develop and the, the scenarios that they get themselves in and scenarios that they um, navigate and all that. Um, and just leading to just what is a, as, as we say about this ending is a chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> it, this, this, this is it's such a good movie. Uh, I love it. That's my number five. All right. What's your fourth favorite movie of all time, Dexter? <laughs> Princess Mononoke. Hmm. Ooh. Okay. This is a studio oh. Ghibli, right? Yep. Did I nice. watch uh, 19. So uh, 1997 is when it first came out in, in Japan. Uh, came out over here in 99. So we get to add another phenomenal movie to coming out in 99, at least over here. Uh, but I, I watched, I rewatched this movie two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I first saw it when I was a, I was a kid. One of my, one of my good friends showed me this movie and it, it's that me, like the art style, the action, the fact that you have demons infesting, uh, demons of the forest infesting this wildlife and it's projecting hate onto things. I just, oh, I love it. Robert, have you seen this one? I know you're checking it out. No, I was confusing it with I've seen Howl's Moving Castle, um, mm. which I like a lot. But I still need to check out Mononoke, which is on my HBO watch list. Nice. I have uh, seen four Studio Ghibli films, and I will talk about one of them later. Um, it will not be Spirited Away, because that movie is overrated. My number <laughs> well, four is... <laughs> I, number I think four... I know what, what that one is then. <laughs> oh, uh, my number four is Parasite. Uh, I really love this movie. Um, it's it's worthy of every accolade it gets, um, and that's that's all I need to say about that. Um, my number six. Nice number six is Parasite. Interesting. Yep. Uh, yeah, this is it's it, it's such a treat. Um, it's such an interesting look at the human condition and um, and what lengths we go to to survive and um, even to take advantage of people. Uh, and it's just what a perfect title too. Um, how how better to describe that movie? than parasite so um yeah it's it, it just it deserves every accolade it gets and that's all there is to say mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm surprised I, that I, wasn't I, the one robert i'm surprised nope. you weren't gonna bump me there interesting i uh i feel like that was the first movie in a wild that the academy awards got correct mm. for best picture uh i mean because knives out wasn't nominated yes but um parasite's my third favorite movie of that year uh, but I would say second best. I would say Knives Out. Um, yeah, I re I actually I rewatched both those movies just recent. I watched Knives Out last week, loved it. But I rewatched Parasite like two weeks ago or something. And yeah, I recently I, moved up Knives Out to like my seventh favorite movie of all time. It made the jump from like mid twenties to. I mean, yeah, it still it's wouldn't it, it still wouldn't break my six. So. That's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, so number three, High and Low. I've never heard of this. So it's 1963, Akira Kurosawa. Okay, oh, that's good, good start. <laughs> good start. Uh, it is not, you know, Roshamon, Seven Samurai, anything like that. It like, is. What is number two and what? No. <laughs> it is a. 
my, so it's a, it's about a shoemaker in the sixties, really rich. And it's, there's a kidnapping and the moral quandaries they have to deal with. Yes, please. <laughs> this is called high and low high and low. How can I watch this movie today? Uh, is, buy it. Is it is it on a streaming service? Is it Criterion? Is it something like that? It might, it might be on Amazon or Apple TV. When I watched it, I had to actually buy the disc. Okay. Um, I know most of Kurosawa's end up in the Criterion collection. Um, high and low. Um, while we're figuring out where I can watch that later today, um, 1963 Kurosawa, uh, Criterion Channel. But you can buy it on Amazon or rent it on Amazon or Apple TV. Um, my number three is the raid redemption. Um, I pick the first one over the second because I think the second one is a little long. Uh, I love both of these movies. Um, this one also cracks my top hundred, uh, both the second one. Uh, but the first one is just some of the best action I've ever seen. Uh, just really gripping intensity, uh, incredible performances by everybody that you, you know, that lives longer than five minutes. Um, I love, I love everything about this movie. Uh, and I so desperately want that third raid movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I love it so much. Um, yeah. It's maybe not like the best movie, but this is favorites really. I mean, it's best ever, but like, you know, favorite, favorite Trump's best. So uh, the raid. Uh, wow, I'm really surprised we made it this far. I didn't expect Robert to bump the raid, but I'm I'm surprised we made it this far without. Uh, well, it without depends that. on what Dexter's number number two is. We'll see. If uh, I I don't know, maybe uh, probably not though. A separation. Ah, uh, we're safe. Another movie I haven't heard of. Is that the recent Middle Eastern one? Yes, 2011. Yeah. Okay. So in that film class that I mentioned earlier, that's where I first saw this movie. And it, I, so we didn't start watching the movies till about 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I just, it gripped me so hard. I, I like, what's, uh, what's, what's the oh. story? Like what's the bare bones kind of, so, uh, this, this wife wants a separation from her husband because she wants to leave Iran and being married she cannot mm. he wants to stay behind because he wants to take care of his uh ailing father and so because they have a kid and he has to go to work he needs help so he gets hired help and uh yeah stuff happens great hmm. Uh, I'll be sure to check that one out. Um, my number two is Cinema Paradiso. Um, we talked a lot about it last month. This is such a, a beautiful film. Uh, it's such a perfect film for film lovers. Um, there is very little not to like about this movie. Um, and it's wonderful, delightful, charming, um, very emotional movie, highs and lows. Um, there's, yeah, uh, this is, this is a movie that I will be revisiting often. Um, and will, for for a while, remain at the top of my goats. Uh, it's like maybe 20-something of all time for me. I love it. Um, yeah. All right. That leads us to number ones then, right? Yep. And we already know what my number one is. So. <laughs> uh, we do we know just, what that we is. We just spent a good chunk of time talking about it. So 
How about we just defer over to both of y'all? Let's yeah, Robert. Why don't you go? We'll see if I have the same number one as you. Uh, I'm sure you don't. It's Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. Oh, that's right. Um, yep. You were positive that, that I that I don't. That 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 is that is in my honorable mentions. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually yeah. just watched this for the first time a few weeks ago. Um, and like Dexter was just saying about a separation, I was absolutely floored by this. Um, because number one, it has moral questions, but number two, it has religious moral questions and that's when it always gets me um it's about a crew uh, a man coming back from the crusades and just the people that he runs into and he has well the biggest part is that he has a chess game literally with the personification of death but then he runs into other people and every different character in the movie has a different outlook on life death and god and um that makes for some fascinating conversations and just an absolutely iconic, absolutely amazing, fascinating, like final scene and final shot. Um, I know I, I've only watched it once, but I'm going to be rewatching this many times. I'm going to be thinking about its themes and its messages and its ideas that it presents. Um, yeah, this one's absolutely incredible. And I can't wait to watch more Bergman because I went and watched or I went and read a lot about him after I watched that movie and Apparently there's a lot of religious undertones or overtones in a lot of his other movies too. So I can't wait to get into those. Nice. Um, a separation by the way is available to rent or buy on any provider you use, uh, not available to stream anywhere. Um, and Robert, after your glowing recommendation of it on last month's goat, I immediately just plopped on the money and bought the criterion. Cause I can't wait to watch the seven seal. Did I say uh, that last month? It was last month's spinoff. Man, I forgot that I even said that. See, yeah, that's how much just, I love it. Like, I, you were I just glowing. You were just, you were just like, you like best movie recommendation you could ever get. And like, I just, I felt it. I was like, all right, fine. Like, I'll, I've heard, I've heard of it, um, but it was just like, you know, can it wait on a wait list or something like that? I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get around to it very soon. And uh, yeah, for and sure. And if you need, it has a connection to American stuff. With Max von Sydow is the main character from Game of Thrones and Star Wars and mm-hmm. other. American productions. I mean, I don't need, but yeah, I know some people do like, I need, I need Robert said, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's it. Um, my number one is city of God. Uh, this is my 16th favorite of all time. It is uh, just a terrific movie. Um, I don't, I, I, th- I talked about it. I think last month because I mentioned cinema paradiso might be my favorite foreign film of all time. But then I, I looked and, uh, and city of God was hired. I do like city of God more. Uh, it's such a rich, compelling story with every rich, compelling story about rich and compelling characters in a rich and compelling world. Everything about this movie is just so lovable and relatable and um, authentic is well, about the best word you could describe as this movie. Sorry, I was going to say. Also, and also calling calling anything about this movie rich is ironic. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Most of the characters aren't rich in that movie. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, favela. Yeah, this uh, I just I love this movie so much. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect when I first watched it. And like legitimately the worst movie poster of all time, not because it's a bad poster, but because it tells you nothing about the movie because you think it's just going to be some rom-com and there is a romance element to it, but it is like the third or fourth most important thing. Um, This, I love this movie so much. Good pick. Uh, All right. Honorable mentions. I have three that haven't been mentioned. Um, I've got a lot uh, that haven't been mentioned. So, (laughs) <laughs> well, here, I'll do mine, because uh, they might be on your list. Uh, Seven Samurai, obviously. Um, this was so close to being my number five, but 
Uh, maybe it's recency bias, but I just I love another round so much. Um, and then uh, Thomas Vinterberg's other movie that I've seen, The Hunt, with Mads Mikkelsen, is also um, incredible. Um, it's a story of uh, Mads Mikkelsen plays a preschool teacher who gets um, falsely accused of molesting one of his students, uh, and then it's it's the town's reaction to him, and it's one of the best film endings there's ever been. Something about Thomas Vinterberg and film endings. Um, it's it's a great character piece. Uh, it's a great societal piece and sociological piece. Um, it, it's it's just a really important movie, uh, and it's great, and everybody should see it. Um, love that one. And uh, my Studio Ghibli one is Grave of the Fireflies. Oh. It's, uh, it's I mean, it's the heaviest, it's the deepest, but it's the best. Uh, what do you think I was going to say, Howl's Moving Castle? No, I thought you were going to say uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Uh, I've only seen... Um, um, Grave of the Fireflies, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, and Castle in the Sky. But uh, Grave of the Fireflies is the only one I love. So I'm not really interested in seeing more. So, um, at least at this moment. Uh, those those are all my only honorable mentions. Robert, did you have any that you wanted to throw out in this segment? Oh no, I didn't really prepare anything. That's fine. Because I didn't know if you. Most you of my international, like non English films, are just like the recent stuff. So it's something I still need to tap into. Um, so I, I, I like a lot of the movies that you guys have mentioned, the ones I've seen at least. Cool. All right. Okay. Your turn, I'm Dexter. Just, I'm just going to run down my list of uh, ones that y'all didn't mention. Um, so Rafifi, that is actually my number seven movie of all time. Uh, then Metropolis, The Tribe. In the Mood for Love, Russian Ark, No, and The Untouchables. Ooh, that's and I, I am not is uh, I, I, I need to get into Bollywood. Otherwise, I'd, I'd, I'm sure I'd have a Bollywood on here as well. Sure. So. Um, oh, I did have one more honorable mention that I forgot to write down. Um, Infernal Affairs. This is the one that The Departed is based off of. Um, yes. Korean film. It's, I, I like The Departed better, um, but Infernal Affairs is for sure worth checking out. Um, yeah. And so most of mine are either Korean or European. So, um, I yeah. don't think I've ever seen a Bollywood film and, um, closest I've know. come is some dog millionaire. Yeah. It's closer than talk, I've come. And well, and if you talk to anyone from India, they will definitely tell you that that is not a Bollywood film. Oh, well, yeah, it just has that one ending, the dance yeah. thing at the end. But yeah, other than that, yeah. I mean, the, and the, I mean, uh, there's there's a lot more I want to mention, like Four Hundred Blows, uh, ooh, man, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Shadow, or Hidden Crouching <laughs> Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, the no, I want to uh, I want to know Hidden Shadow. <laughs> well, the, so there's there's a movie called Shadow that is also in this category. Uh, Hero, yeah, just. There's, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of good ones out there. There's many that I own that uh, that I haven't seen yet. Like uh, I think Eight and a Half is also German, um, and uh, Ikaru and Rashomon and um, Itumapatia and uh, plenty plenty that I own that I just haven't seen yet. So I can't quite you know give a, give a recommendation. I was ready to ask you if. Uh like Irish or New Zealand based films were, were about to count, but I, I realized that wasn't the spirit of the question. So I was wondering, and I thought about sending a clarification at the start of this week and just saying like subtitles, right? Like it has to have subtitles because sing street would have been probably like number three for me. Yeah. I love sing street, but, uh, well, but then, sing street for going subtitle, I guess those are more cards. Um, but you know, silent films. Mm-hmm. Well, but then I also thought like, but if we say, you know, 
subtitles, then like, does Minari count? But but Minari's a Hollywood film. Like, and right. it's just it's semantics. So, um, yeah, I thought about clarifying, but I was just like, I'll just you know, technically, Sing Street is Irish, and so yeah. But I but I decided to just go with like deliberately made in other countries, not for Americans, right. as the primary audience. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, cool. Well, it's time for the spinoff. Um, Robert, why don't you start? Um, have I talked about Bo Burnham inside too much? <laughs> because <laughs> because uh, I, not on this podcast. Yeah, because last time we recorded, it wasn't out on Twitter, on Sifpop.com, on YouTube. I've written and talked about it a lot. I just can't get this thing out of my head, and it's been almost three weeks now. And we typically on the spinoff don't do like recently released stuff, but this. This is easily the best thing I've seen all year. I don't say, know. Say what you will. Last week I did In the Heights. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like the day after it came out. Well, I don't think there's anything that's going to that's gonna top this for me. Um, there's just so much about it that I love from the songs. Um, the, the camera setup and like the ability to make this hour and a half thing all by yourself sitting in like a guest house over the course of like a year or however long it took him. Um, if you don't know, Bo Burnham Inside is a comedy special slash movie slash whatever the heck that's on Netflix that was released just a few weeks ago um, by Bo Burnham, where he just grapples with what it's like to be stuck inside, um, basically over the course of quarantine and lockdown orders and all that. Um, and then it evolves past just the idea of being alone to just like general anxieties about the world. Um and it's done in a way that only Bo Burnham could ever do. And I'm going to watch this 10,000 times and never get tired of it. Man, you feel about you feel the way about Bo Burnham's inside that I do about Derek Del Guaggio's in and of itself. Um, yeah, I liked that. And I thought it was yeah. great. And it's up there for this year. But Bo Burnham's inside is just Well, but everything that you're saying seen. is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's my number one of the year. And it's going to be really hard to top it. Uh, you know, because... You know, Mitchell's versus the Machines and In the Heights didn't do it. And I love both of those movies. And um, yeah, I think there's something so, so incredibly good. Uh, I want to love Inside as much as you do, but yes, I had, I, I really like it. It's I had Minari and The Father as my one and two for this year. And somehow I'm like looking at my rankings. I'm like, I like this better than both of those. And yeah. so that's where it is. That that should tell you how much I love this thing. Nice. Uh, I'm going to, I'll go next. Um, We'll finish off with Dexter. Um, I actually haven't watched anything besides these two movies and uh, some TV and video games um, over the last week since we recorded. Um, I haven't seen a single movie except for these two. And uh, when the t- when I watch TV stuff, I just wait to talk about it until TV catch up. Uh, but so I'm going to talk about a YouTube channel uh, because the new season of Epic Rap Battles of History is on, and I love Epic Rap Battles of History. Um, if you're unfamiliar with them, they have a great back catalog. My personal favorite is, uh, Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney from a couple years ago. Um, it's, it's just such a delightful video. And even though I've never seen, nor I'm really interested in watching Vikings, um, the, the video that they most recently released at the time of recording is, uh, um, the guy from Vikings versus Richard the Lionheart. And like, I still watched it because they're, you don't need to know these characters. It's helpful if you do, uh, but still this epic rap battles of history. Um, I love it. 
I love it so much. Uh, what you got for us, Dexter? It is a three-season TV show on HBO. Uh, well, you can find it on HBO Max now, of course. It, it's The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. finished a few years ago. The first season's good, the second season's better, and the third season is some of the best TV you will ever watch. Yeah, this is on my list of shame, but every time people tell me I need to watch it, it's just going to grow higher. <laughs> I so. so I don't know why I... I decided to start it, but during season, like halfway through season two, I uh, messaged Papa Sith. And I'm like, hey, if you haven't checked this show out, you need to. It is, it will floor you. And then it only got better from there. Mm. Cool. Uh, man, is Damon Lindelof finally in the public's good graces again? Cause, like, I think so, I feel after like- Watchmen, yeah. Yeah, he I, made, he made he's made some of the best TV and including Watchmen and he just right. walked away from it. Well, and that's but that's the thing too is like uh, he you know he's responsible for being a big part of Lost, ran Watchmen and you know ran the leftovers and like had you know is is also really responsible for some of the new Star Trek stuff. Um but I just remember like it was maybe that one two punch of uh of Star Trek into Darkness and Prometheus was right about that time. I remember people like really crapping on Prometheus and saying that Lindelof needs to stop doing stuff, but Prometheus is a pretty okay movie. Like it's it's not terrible by any stretch of the means. And I've never been a Lindelof hater, but people were probably just salty at the ending of Lost still. I think um, Lindelof is back in the good graces, but people hate JJ Abrams. That's oh, fair. Yeah. That's I would definitely go with that. The tides have for sure turned. But, yeah. I mean, you look at what they have done in the last 10 years, and there's a really stark difference. Right. Uh, After... one, has made, one has made pretty consistently amazing stuff, and one has made pretty consistently okay stuff average stuff i think after rise of skywalker everyone's like oh jj abrams you're a fraud (laughs) yeah and like remember when like they were announcing him for a ton of things like they announced him for star wars like that's perfect and then you know and they announced like oh yeah and he's gonna be doing this he's gonna be doing this and bad robots producing that and you're like yeah jj abrams producing portal yes and now it's like and now he has at least he's not directing (laughs) yeah yeah now people are like oh no keep jj abrams away from my thing yeah, producer's fine, not writer director. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that's funny because like I you're not the only person. A lot of people are finally getting around to leftovers, and I've not heard one slightly negative thing about it. So um yeah. Uh well that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B plot. And you can email us at writersroom at sifpop.com. You can also get in contact with me on Twitter or letterboxd at schweitcastle. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps out the show. Uh, would love for you to do that. Uh, but uh, um, that's uh, ways you can connect with me. Uh, Robert, where do you want to send people? Uh, Twitter at underscore Rob's thoughts, Instagram at Robert's thoughts and the newly formed YouTube channel, which is just Robert's thoughts. Yay. YouTube where you can hear a 13 minute video of Mm -hmm. why he loves Bo Burnham's inside. Oh yes, That's currently sitting on my watch later playlist, but uh, uh, Dexter, where do you want to send people to and uh, chat some M? So I want to send people back to their local library. No, if, if you want to get in contact with me, I, uh, I think it's Dexter RPG uh, 
on Twitter, and then yeah, I, I mean it would be Twitter. So. <laughs> cool. So Twitter, Dexter RPG. Um, cool. Well, hey, uh, we did it. We did the podcast. It's the first time we've done a goats episode with three people, and uh, we recorded for about a half hour less than we normally I know. do. <laughs> no. Crazy. I was. We Dexter were done talking. <laughs> Well, we were done talking about M. I'm like, we're only like an hour and 10 in. Like, we're normally an hour 40 in at this point. So, uh, interesting. Maybe, yeah. So, um, anyway, next week, uh, I'll have Frank on. We'll talk about all 11 Fast and Furious movies because F9 coming out this week. We'll, we'll, t- uh, I'll see it before, uh, before we record. And, um, uh, next month for goats, uh, back to me and Robert. Uh, we'll have Dexter on again. He's already picked, uh, November, I think. Uh, we're doing October because we're, we're doing the thing and Wicker Man, Wicker Man, the original. No. Wicker Man, that's right. Um, so Dexter will be on uh, again in October with us. Uh, so it'll be back to me and Robert. We're doing Eight and a Half and Sunset Boulevard next uh, next month, uh, and we'll see you back here then.